So I'm Ed Pruitt, Editorial Director for NEJM Catalyst, and I'm delighted to be here with Kathy Sanford, <clears throat> DBA, RN, who is Executive Vice President and Chief Nursing Officer for Common Spirit Health, which is America's largest nonprofit health system. <clears throat> so Kathy, thank you so much for joining the NEJM Catalyst audience. And uh, we have a lot uh, uh, to talk about. And I'd like to start with um, the challenges for nurses that you've seen during the pandemic, both before and after vaccinations arrived across Common Spirit's uh, different locations and very broad footprint. Thanks, Ed. That is a, a wonderful question. Thank you for having me here and thank you for asking that one. Because I think people are beginning to understand how challenging this entire COVID pandemic has been, and especially for nurses and their entire teams, because it's not just about nursing. It's a, it's a team sport. What uh, the biggest challenges, of course, are the numbers of patients that we are having um, admitted to our critical care units and the numbers of very, very sick patients that we're having admitted, which means we have um, limited room, limited beds sometimes in different parts of our markets. And we also have had to figure out new ways of taking care of patients because uh, it was interesting to me how people seem to think you could just get critical care nurses, like we keep them in a closet, right? We could go and open the closet and find the nurse. Well, we don't staff that way. And when these sorts of things happen, like this pandemic, we have to scramble to figure out where we're going to get the right nurses for the job and how we're going to change our models. Because one thing I learned that I didn't realize that non-clinicians didn't always know is that a nurse is not a nurse is not a nurse. We are all specialists now, even more than we were when I started nursing. And we cannot just be replaced by each other and expected to do the job that the other specialist usually does. So the big challenge has been figuring out where to put patients, how to, how to take care of them with um, a different group of nurses and how to do team nursing again. The vaccinations themselves haven't really changed anything that we're doing in the hospitals. However, it is another challenge for staffing because we have been giving the immunizations ourselves, which are mostly our nurses. And we've had uh, nurse CEOs, nurse COOs, nurse CNOs going to the front lines to help give vaccinations because it, it's another challenge while you are in the middle of taking care of patients to figure out how you're gonna give all those vaccines. The other challenge, just real quick, is the emotional challenge and uh, it, we're not, even though pa nurses are used to being with patients who will be ending their lives in the hospital, we're not used to the vast number. All the work that we have to do to try to keep these people alive and well and uh, emotionally supported is taking a toll on the nursing staff because it's so constant, doesn't end. And the nurse is often the only person who's communicating with the family outside of the critical care unit or outside of the nursing room and trying to support the families at the same time as they're supporting people who might lose their lives. It's been a real strain. Uh, before we um, dive into that, could you please uh, tell our audience more about Common Spirit Health and specifically uh, the nurse teams uh, across your huge footprint, uh, 21 states, how many hospitals? Oh, 139. Wow. 
So tell, tell me more, uh, tell us more about um, how that's organized and how these teams work together and then work individually. Well, if you're talking about the frontline teams, we have different sorts of teams uh, all across the system because we have different sizes of hospitals. And of course, uh, some are academic, some are community, some are rural. So the teams themselves are different in different hospitals. But if you're talking about how does nursing uh, come together and make sure that we're all working as a, a nursing um, uh, group. We are very carefully uh, organized with a nurse executive council at the national level, which is made up of 11 chief nurses from our 11 divisions, which in themselves are small systems and our home health leader and our long-term care and uh, senior living leader and also our national leaders. And that group comes together to decide what things we are going to do the same across the system, which things should be standardized because they're the best in class for nursing care. We also are trying very hard to make sure that the frontline staff nurses have a voice in what happens in nursing. And uh, I'll give you a quick example. We're in the process of coming up with our five-year strategic plan for nursing. And that starts with a nursing vision. People ask me, Kathy, what's your vision for nursing? And my answer when we brought Common Spirit together was, I don't get to have the vision. It has to be nurse's vision. That's one of the problems is if someone sets a vision for you, how do you buy into that? So we are in the process of this five-year plan, nursing vision, and we have so far included 17% of all of our nurses across the system have either had a part in a meeting, in a focus group, or in choosing the words to go into our vision. And now we're ready to send out our last two visions to all 45,000 nurses and asking them to vote on what they think the vision should be for what we want to be as nurses with the rest of the team for the next five years. Well, that'll be something that any jam catalyst will want to follow up on. Let, let's return for a moment to the issue of um, clinician burnout. Um, <clears throat> and you were alluding to how difficult this pandemic has been for nurses. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, the NEJM Catalyst Insights Council recently published, uh, we published a report based on a survey of our Insights Council about clinician burnout. It showed that nurses have been deeply affected, even more than physicians. Um, and I, I know this won't come as a surprise to you, but um, what has been the experience of common spirits nurses and, and um, how do you respond to that? How, how do you help and encourage your nurses to respond to that? Thank you. And thank you for doing that survey. I think it's a very important topic. I want to start by saying that I haven't been to a single meeting about this epidemic or about anything, including our board meetings, where we haven't talked about the well-being of our employees. The board is extremely interested, the management, the leadership, everyone, because we know that this is a big issue. And then the second thing I want to say is burnout itself is not a new issue. Um, I have, I collect old articles and there are articles about nursing burnout since the 1970s. It's been an issue for nursing for a long, long time. Recently, other, uh, other professions are, are talking about it more, but it's been an issue for nursing for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. So during this period, it's not just the burnout, but it's the compassion fatigue that people can feel after watching so many deaths. It's the sheer exhaustion and it's the mental and emotional health of our employees that we have to think about. 
So we have a complete plan at Common Spirit Health to try to help with that. We have daily, we have a, a what we call a playbook that has all different kinds of things in it for what you can do to make sure that your staff is taking care of themselves and that we're taking care of the staff and that leaders are taking care of themselves because people forget the stress on the leaders is there as well. So we have everything from daily check-ins to breathing exercises, to care for the caregiver classes, to classes online, to classes for um, real quick lessons for our managers and leaders about how to recognize when your staff, when an individual staff member needs help. We have everything from um, groups that get together to do some sort of uh, talking it out together. And then of course we have um, uh, plans for the long-term. And I need to mention that really quickly because we believe that this is gonna be a long-term issue. I'm a retired army nurse. So I know a little bit about PTSD and actually did a rotation in a PTSD unit when I was at Walter Reed. And uh, the, what the nurses and docs and folks are, and doctors and the rest of the team are experiencing right now could be a big problem for some of our staff once COVID is over. So we're very concerned in making sure that we do not forget that and that we take the steps that we need to make sure that people get the help they need and each individual may need something different. We've actually contacted the military. Uh, one of our physicians is a retired uh, Navy Admiral. I'm a retired Army nurse. And so we have contacted the military and uh, they're helping us with uh, the things that they've developed that we can use as we go forward to make sure that we take care of people long-term. I want to finish this real quick with something people haven't thought about. The early research in the 70s and 80s showed that the burnout that nurses were feeling was really caused by lack of control. So when you think about everything that's going on right now, we can't control that people are gonna die no matter how much work we put into it. But nurses have had that problem long before other people experienced for a lot of other reasons. So as we are all thinking about how we're going to recover from this pandemic, we have to think about the burnout and the, the uh, compassion fatigue and all the things I just talked about but we also need to think about long-term, this problem's gone on for decades. What are we as leaders going to do to make sure that we don't continue this problem into the future? Mm -hmm. Very insightful. Um, so as an executive vice president and chief nursing officer for this huge health system, you have a very broad rubric. Um, you oversee 45,000 nurses, uh, if I have that number correct, it may have gone up. You also oversee uh, advanced practice clinicians. Um, how do you manage to work uh, with this, uh, those groups across this huge footprint, especially at a time when it's hard to get together in person? Yeah. Well, we are very organized, um, not, not quite as organized as the military, but we're very organized in having our national nurse executive council and then nurse councils of leaders in each of our divisions and then nurse councils in our hospitals. So we are working on making sure that we have a great communication plan. And the reason I say uh, working on, we do have a great communication plan, but we continue to be challenged to getting, the, to getting information from each level to all the way down to the, to the uh, front lines. And as I keep reminding our communications folks, communication isn't communication if it's only one way. If we're just sending out information and not hearing from the people who are actually taking care of patients, then we are not communicating. Mm -hmm. 
And so we have, as part of our strategic plan, figuring out how we're going to get better at that. Um, I am very pleased that we do things like have focus groups and we have different councils for different types of nurses and different types of multidisciplinary teams that are working together to figure out how we're going to make sure that we're giving the best care across the country with some sort of um, standardized practices and procedures because we want to do the very best that we can. And, we, and when we find great practices, we share them. Does that answer what you're looking for, Ed? Absolutely, yes, thank you. Thanks. I wanted to ask about uh, nursing uh, as a profession, uh, as a practice. How has it changed during your career? Uh, Things have, things have changed quite a lot just in recent years. They have. I'd say that the biggest changes have to do with um, the uh, changes in, in medicine, period, right? Okay, and the payment systems and things that changed outside of the profession, which the professions had to respond to. So um, I, um, a couple of years ago, when we were having a Middle East war, I was asked to go back to active duty for a short time to teach in an LPN program, 91C program. And here I was a chief nurse and I said, oh my gosh, nursing has changed so much. What uh, am I gonna be able to go on the wards and know what to do? And uh, here's some reassurance to those of you who have left nursing and might want to do some again. Guess what? Patients haven't changed. Their needs haven't changed. All that's really changed are some of the models, the computers, the technology, and the drugs. But the patients themselves still have the same needs. And it didn't take long to get right back into it as, a, as an instructor. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the main things are the things that I listed there. Um, our models, though, for nursing care have gone back and forth. We moved from team nursing to uh, multidisciplinary nursing to um, uh, primary nursing, and we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I think that we're about to have a major change that we have not been used to before, and that's a change using technology. But for now, what's mostly changed are those things. And then, of course, the rise of the advanced practitioner because of our need to make sure that we have enough uh, frontline practitioners to deliver more medical care as well as nursing care. I see. Um, so I'd like to conclude by asking about the changes that you foresee in nursing in the future. And, and you uh, touched on one of those, which is technology. Yes, we're going to have to change our models drastically, I believe in the future, because we all know that the continuum is going to become more important as we try to keep our communities healthy. Hospitals are going to change drastically over the next five to 10 years. And we need to figure out a way to get higher quality and higher patient experience at a time when we're not going to have the nurses to do it if we continue to practice the way we practiced in the past, even if we go, like I said, back and forth from one model to the other. AHA says we're gonna need 2 million new nurses in the next five years, but we're only going to produce 500,000. Many of those nurses, when they come in, they're immediately telling us they're going to leave and do something else. And I do think that's wonderful. We have nurse CEOs and nurse COOs and nurse advanced practice, all of whom are very important. And we are going to have a shortage. So we can't continue to practice nursing the way that we practice it. I am a big believer in virtual nursing, making a difference and changing your team with some new and different team members that you haven't had before, that we haven't had before and then uh, using technology to make sure that we're keeping patients safe. We've, uh, I've, uh, for the last 10 years, I guess, we've tried out different types of virtual nursing inside of the hospital. And we believe that uh, COVID 
uh, has made that come faster. We're suddenly realizing how important that is and how we can stretch the resources we have and use people, all people at the top of their licenses. And I'm not just talking about advanced practices, which is what people always think we're talking about. It means nurses at the top of their licenses and LPNs, LVNs at the top of their licenses and pharmacists at the top of their licenses. And you could go through the whole list. And we need to think of new and different ways to take care of patients using all of those specialties. We need to get over any nurse chauvinism or physician chauvinism or pharmacy chauvinism or whatever we have, because it has to be around the patient. And I think with technology, we're going to be able to do that even better. Excellent. Kathy, thank you so much for this terrific interview. Um, our audience will benefit from it.